It's the Joel Natale Show here on Talk Erie at 5.06 on a Friday. Hope that you're doing well, and uh, we are getting things going here after a, a really kind of cool uh, couple of conversations that we had uh, with Michael Hooks and Giselle Luttrell, both uh, business owners and both uh, um, uh, helped by the undercover billionaire Comeback City – uh, show and Glenn Stearns, who is the undercover billionaire, and uh, we were excited to have uh, you know Michael Hooks on at four o'clock and Giselle uh, Latrell on at four thirty. Both having different takes on how their programs went, and and I, I realized that I you know I was so enamored with the shows that I you know I'm not sure I was giving enough back information about. Uh, uh, you know, about what was happening at the program. So I would highly encourage you, if you have access to uh, uh, Discovery On Demand or, you know, the Discovery Channel has been playing these shows over and over again, I think you're going to really, really enjoy them. And, and a, a conversationalist that we really enjoy talking to is Phil Kerner. He's the tool and die guy. And this is Fridays with Phil along with uh, – uh, Paul and Shaney. Phil, how's your week going, sir? Let's do the audio check. Am I? Oh, board? you're perfectly fine. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, <laughs> lots of commentary today. First of all, um, been enjoying the uh, all the undercover billionaire stuff you're bringing to the airwaves. Excellent uh, stuff as usual. Uh, I did want to say I was really thinking a lot because uh, I, I don't think we really want to go into the whole political theme today it's friday let's have a good time i i appreciate it yeah but i do have a few observations if sure may. sure you know well um first of all as i said the last time i was on this program last friday you know i think we can all agree violence is just never the end the, the, is the right end to anything to get something done uh you know watching this whole summer was upsetting to me as somebody who started businesses from scratch and the to see, as Glenn would tell you, these people are 27 days away from bankruptcy half the time. And to watch it all burn down is just, mm. just so sad. I don't care what the cause is. And, of course, what happened at the Capitol. Now, I, I was looking at – have you seen a picture of the Capitol lately? Well, I know they've got the eight-foot black fencing, and, and basically uh, they have uh, – what's, what's 20,000 troops? I want to say right. – it, you know, you're knocking on the size of a division at that point. So I guess my my uh, wry observation would be: so you're telling me fences work? <laughs> I just <wanna> make, sure, <laughs> make sure we're clear on that. Fences yeah. and guards do work. And, and there, you know, honestly, uh, uh, there were fences around some of the federal installations during the summer as well. And they were, they were, yeah, you know, some of them were attacked that way. They were shaken down and whatever. They said a few weeks ago, our freedom was based by our founders on us not behaving like idiots. Right. Yeah, yeah. And when people go nuts and you lose that moral fabric or underpinning to society, um, this is what happens. The people lose self-control, right? Uh, they don't get what they want. And uh, I mean, didn't Martin Luther King, uh, he didn't, he set the bar for how you do this. Right. I mean, right. that's why he, that's why he, he is who he is. So uh, it's a shame that uh, I think he'd be sick to, to see what happened this year, you know, on both sides. Sure. I had to, I, this might, might freak you out a little bit. I really thought about this, but 
you know, I, I was listening to your program for the days out the day of that. It was a big shock when all of a sudden everything went nuts at the Capitol, right? You had mm-hmm. just come on the air and I believe it was a Kathy Dahlkemper day. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, and then you're watching this all of a sudden unfold. Um, and I, and I get it, you know, I, I I'm sure everybody that's, that's listening. I probably everybody here that's on the show with me has been to the United States Capitol building. And, uh, you know, it's a beacon on a hill. It's a beacon of democracy. And I was thinking about that, and I've been there, and uh, Rick Santorum many years ago uh, gave my group a really nice tour. Actually, underneath is really cool. I don't know if you've ever been underneath and seen all the tunnels and how they get back and forth between buildings. I think I have. I think I've walked through that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, have a trolley down there. Right, yeah, Uh, you can get on a tram, yep. I think they're actually using uh, golf carts now. But, you know, the saddest part was when I was looking at that building and seeing what was going on, is how sad that building and the people in there have become to our nation. And when I really think about this, right, they are probably the most unpopular group by polling in the country. Don't they hover somewhere around 10%, 12% approval rate? Maybe as far as members of Congress, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a shame that every, every talks about the hallowed halls of Congress, that the people in there can't manage to live up to that uh, beacon on a hill, right? That there's not this uh, uh, bipartisan effort to do the right thing. I mean, it's gotten so hmm. bad. You know, you can't get rid of these people. They come in, they never leave, and they all retire as multimillionaires. <laughs> so, you know, and again, as I said, violence isn't the answer. I get it. But as far as the shining beacon of democracy on the hill, I'm, I've been around long enough to, to, now, to know what's really going on inside there. You know, it, it's a feeding frenzy of lobbyists. I mean, I don't know if you saw. I, I really get a kick out of this uh, this uh, Tulsi Gabbard. She's pretty gutsy. I mean, uh, sure. I, I I give her a lot of guts because uh, she'll go on Fox. She'll go, she'll go anywhere. You know, uh, she just speaks the truth. And she did you hear her answer when they talked about? They asked her why won't government do something about this big tech control and censoring? Why won't they do something? And she said literally that she said you should see what goes on in Washington. Google throws a big dinner party, and after the party, everybody lines up for their checks. Then Facebook does a big party, and everybody lines up for their checks. Then Twitter does a big party. These people just line up. They're never going to censure or do anything about this Interesting. problem. Isn't that sad? So well, I, and, I, and I heard a, a Democratic uh, uh, congressman who was, who was irate when Facebook announced that they were going to put a pause on political donations – you know, for both parties, for all, for all, all political donations were on pause, and there were several, several other corporations that were doing that. And he's like, "Well, that sucks. Why? Why is why? You know, we we Democrats didn't do anything. Literally, that's what came out of this guy's mouth. And and it was like, okay, um, uh, <laughs> uh, why don't we stop all of it? Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, yeah. There you go. There's yeah. a there's an answer. Unfortunately, it costs you. If I wanted to run for Mike Kelly's seat next year, and I could write the check, how much money do I need in the bank to run for Congress? I think I think you I think you need minimum two million. Two million. And well, and, and remember, Mike, you know, half of Mike's district is in the Pittsburgh media market. That's super expensive. Um, and so, yeah, when you when you're going to Butler County, adjacent to Allegheny, uh, Allegheny, you know, Pittsburgh television is. 10 times as expensive as Erie television. And uh, I mean, again, uh, 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 you know, 
in when you when you have basically a state senate race cost two million on each side, that's probably your minimum. Now I'm not sure that when when it was uh, uh, Kathy Dalkemper versus Mike Kelly back in 2010, if that kind of money was spent. I don't. Maybe maybe not though. I don't know. So I just want to make sure we clarify here though. You know, let the record show that on this date, January 15th, 2021. I am not an alt-right neocon, right? <laughs> okay. Because I would not be saying things in favor of Tulsi Gabbard if I was. Right. Was that true? That's correct. So I, I like good people. That's what I like. I like good people who seem to be trying to do the right thing. That's a, that's that's it for me. So uh, and and I, I like- and I ho- I'm I'm hoping that at some point here, we can get a reset where you can where you can have respect for someone. Even though you don't agree, uh, you know all you know every, for every single policy measure that they have. Um, I mean, we we that's how we're going to survive, right? But uh, uh, well, but the move comes. But the media, the, just to finish my point, the media is not incentive. The, the incentive is not for that to happen. The because of the the nature of the twenty four hour news cycle, because of the nature of the 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 Twitter sphere and everything else, only the brashest, uh, most uh, extreme voices on each side get any kind of traction, and uh, there's not a whole lot of room for a voice of reason, and uh, that's an unfortunate thing. I think so. Oh my gosh! I mean, I couldn't even. Uh, never mind. I said, let's. That, those are my observations. On okay. That. We yeah we 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 gave that ten minutes. Let's let's pivot and uh, talk about. Uh, you know, we're gonna get a little snow snow forecast coming on. Snow snow. Listen, <laughs> it's, it's February or January nearly. Right. Newsflash. It, it was you know, awfully. It's still warm. It's forty two degrees right now. And uh, and I was walking with a light jacket this morning, you know. Very nice, and there's you know you can't complain about this winter so far. No, you know? not at all. Um, listen, I thought because I know you kind of get a kick out of uh, talking about uh, manufacturing and things. I do. Uh, dawned on me uh, this past week. My anniversary of employment at ISM is usually uh, not usually it is in October. Okay. But every year, at the end of the year, I, I, I save all my pay stubs. I don't know why I do it, but I just do. And I put a big clip around them, and I put them in a metal box. You know those old boxes that your mother had for keeping your port papers in? <laughs> I think what I have is literally my mother's. But anyways, you know, I'm sitting there looking at that thing. And this is probably the last year I can fit in it. There's 15 years of pay stubs neatly stacked in that box year by year. Okay, 15 years. And back to manufacturing, um, which I know people still sometimes like you always say on the show, Erie's a a maker city and we're looking for new industries now. But I will say this, you know, I'm looking at that box. And if you were to get a hold of that box and go through it and look at every stub for 15 years, you will not find one gap in that 15 year stack. And my point is, Back to manufacturing and working with your hands. I've always told apprentices and the kids I talk to when they do these manufacturing days, there is always room in this world for people who get good at working with their hands. There is always room. Imagine the you know, 42 years I've been doing this and I've never been laid off. Now, that's not just because I'm just the greatest 
tool and die guy in the world, even though I am the tool and die guy. You, yeah, you know? you're the personification. Realize that, right? <laughs> but you know, it. it but I, I take it seriously. I make an effort, and I show up for work. You know, uh, uh, I think the most important. If, if you're a teacher, a machine shop class now, the most important tool you'd start with would probably be a time clock, right? This is how it works. You have to show up for work. The, that was always the beauty of manufacturing. I think Paul could attest to this. You, it, it's a, it's a regimen, right? It's a regimen, and it's a uh, things come in the door, things go out, employees come in, employees go out. But it, it's a well-oiled machine when it's all running right. So that's my little plug today. I'm always amazed. It just hits me uh, when I put that in the box from this year into next year, for ne- and I start all over again, and. Uh, uh, it, it's been such a great career for me, and I still think there's room for it. Maybe not as many people, but if you like doing stuff with your hands, you can still do it. Give, give me two more minutes on that before we take our break, because I I would love to hear the advice that you would give parents and grandparents for their children. And again, I mean men and women, because I think uh, women in manufacturing it has, you know, is a very, very – there's a lot of opportunity there. But if you well, if you were if you had a let's say a sophomore in high school, what kind of direction if if they were interested in manufacturing if they were interested in especially advanced manufacturing what would you have them do? The best designers and it's all coming down now of course to computerized design. Yeah, it's CAD. And computer- yeah. Exactly. I'm trying to dumb it down here. Okay. So computerized design and computerized manufacturing. CNC machines, CAD, CAD CAM for the design and programming. But the reality is you can put a guy with all this experience. And I'll tell you, it, it is amazing. You know, you watch these young kids. I mean, they grew up with these software. They can manipulate software all day long, right? I mean, they, their keyboard skills are great. They understand intuitively uh, what things are on, uh, on, on the computer, right? But eventually that cutting tool is going to go into the material and you've got to understand what is going on there. Why does that even work? Why does that cutting tool not burn up or break? Why are we using that type of lubricant? On it? That's the stuff you just have to do. You know, you just have to do that yourself and be taught these basics of metal removal, right? Um, I don't care. Or metal addition welding. Sure. Uh, and- Till you do it yourself and get the feel for it. I'm not saying you have to do you have five years on the shop floor, but you know, again, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. I, I was watching this program on Discovery or something. They were going through the uh, Mini Cooper factory, which is a, a division of uh, BMW. BMW, yeah. Completely automated plant. Yeah. They have an apprenticeship program. First thing those kids learn to do in the apprenticeship program at that highly sophisticated plant is they use to learn a file and file an edge on a piece of steel, interesting like, wow. with their hand i thought that was i cried Joel. So, so but fin- but answer my question are, are should those kids be heading to to the uh career technical you know basically shop class or to the the erie county technical institute i, I mean uh sh- i mean is that really kind of you know the base one step one for getting to that place where they are, where they are either removing uh, material or adding material, absolutely get a feel for it. See if you even like it. You know, yeah, uh, once, yeah. once you, you you can build stuff, and if you like that type of work and it's kind of intriguing to you, 
you know, that's it. But the second thing is you have to have some sort of an aptitude for it. Right. And, and that'll that'll be sorted out by your shop teacher, I would think. I mean, I mean, that's where that we'll kind just, of happens. We'll get the guidance, right? We can discuss that in the next segment. All righty. It's 522. 525 here. It's our Friday edition of the Joel Natale Show. And at 5 o'clock, we have Phil Kerner, the tool and die guy, joins us to... Uh, wax poetic about manufacturing and other manufacturing politics and other things. Uh, you, you, you know, I let me just say this. I just am amazed at how many people in this town have been able to really do so well in bringing up their children and having their families and, and you know, having a life and career you know a life sustaining career through manufacturing and the the great um the great fear is that the the more manufacturing that we lose not just in Erie but in all of the United States and we replace with service jobs it it's not the same there you re- it's like uh, in the media we talk about exchanging analog dollars for digital pennies. You know, you might have heard that that term. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Uh, service service positions on uh, on a macroeconomic level just don't pay like that. You know, e- even that journeyman or you know you know base level manufacturing job. And and we have to be super careful about uh, making sure that uh, we take advantage of every opportunity to keep manufacturing vibrant here uh, in our community, in our country. Well, the sound you hear is the sound of me sliding over my soapbox so I can stand on it. <laughs> Don't slip on that soap. It's a little one because my microphone. Do you remember the be- old joke? It floats. It floats. <laughs> what floats? Ivory soap. All right. Okay. Back to your car. You know, I was listening to Hugh Hewitt this morning. And yep. they, yeah. They were talking about the minimum wage. Now, when I came up in this beautiful trade of tool and die making, I don't know what the minimum wage was. All I know is, and back to your original question, and we might have to come back after the break and get more into the, the, the thing I want to really touch on was you said about the parents. What do they do with these kids, right? Yeah. What, what's, what's the next step? But let me tell you, I never worried about minimum wage because it was all set up for me that I knew every six months where I was going to end up, what my journeyman's rates were going to be. Now, of course, I've kept all my notes from back then. I've got this book about an inch and a half thick. I recently reduced it down to 40 pages, how to start an apprenticeship and all my documentation. And it's up on my website, the tool and die guy. Okay. Uh, for anybody that wants to learn how the apprenticeship used to work, and it was beautiful. I don't know why anybody ever wanted to change it, but let me tell you something. There was no fights or jealousy amongst the apprentices because we all knew where we were going as long as we kept passing our tests, showing up for work, going to night school, and the big thing was back then we had to buy our own tools also. yeah, They would come around, and they'd have a checklist. And you either better have those tools in your box every six months, the new ones, or have them on order, or no raise for you, all right? So we had this beautiful system that rewarded merit, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and the better you got, the more money you made. Now, after you graduated, of course, okay? So the goal was always this thing called top rate, top rate toolmakers, you know? And uh, 
that was within a nickel or so. Every shop in town paid about the same within a nickel or a dime per hour. And everybody knew what that was. And, you know, it would go around the trade like wildfire. If somebody's top rate went up a nickel at another shop, you know? Wow. So, yeah, it was interesting. But um, the apprenticeship was so important that we had many talented guys that were nickel under top rate because they didn't have their papers. All right? That's how important your papers were. All right? So the next step, of course, is to, uh, to talk about how that system worked and what I believe schools and teachers and, and parents can do to, to maybe uh, make this just a little bit better. I think uh, there's a lot of schools trying. I know McDowell's doing a pretty good job right now. Mm-hmm. I think General McLean's got a pretty good program. But with COVID and everything, I have no idea what's going on. Right. It, that's that's true, and 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 again, uh, they're hoping that some of these uh, some of these specific parts of the school, um, you know, including the career the career kids, they may be able to start coming back and doing in person because uh, it's just so necessary that they get the hands on experience here we're talking to phil kerner and paul and cheney bills you are tuned to talk erie and the joel natale show on a friday uh, up is uh, national and local news along with lou dobbs financial report and the cal thomas commentary we'll be back here on talk erie Five thirty-nine. Good afternoon to you. My name is Joel Natale, and uh, you know, every day that we go into January, we're going to start getting a little bit more light, a little bit more light on our way to uh, the spring equinox. But uh, right now, it's still dark, and uh, um, got some uh, got some snow in the forecast. Uh, you can get a hold of us at 814-679-1080. That's our phone number. You can call or text on that line, 814-679-1080, or leave a note on our Facebook Live feed at facebook.com forward slash talk eerie. Phil Kerner's with us, the tool and die guy. We've been talking about manufacturing, and I'm glad we're doing that. I'm glad, I'm glad we're um, talking about the future. And, and again, Phil, you know – you know me. I've and in every big conversation I have about manufacturing and economic development, we always talk about. You know, Erie wasn't necessarily the the place where we took the raw materials. It, you know, we this wasn't so much of a foundry place. I mean, even though we did have foundries, but you know, uh, somebody from out west might say, "Oh, yeah, you you have those steel mills out there." Well, we don't. We really didn't have steel mills. You know, we made stuff with the steel. Yeah, exactly right. So um, back to the, the young guys, kids getting into the trade. Uh, you know, Paul and I were chatting uh, off camera or off, off camera off, off, uh, during the break. And, uh, you know, I don't know why it had to change, but let me tell you a little bit about my experience and how important, because as you know, uh, passing down a skill uh, is important, all right, and 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 for any trade or business, how do you do that? And uh, you know, if a, a young guy wants to get in, or a young gal wants to get into this, how do they train for that? And and if a company uh, does, a company really value getting the people. Now that is the question, right? So what do we do if we really want talented people, young kids, to come into a trade? Well, 
back then there were so many shops. This is what I think the problem is. People now are afraid that they're going to spend a lot of money and time training an apprentice only to see that person leave after two or four years. Right. And that happens. Um, unfortunately, now back in the day, it wasn't that big of a problem because you would probably hire somebody. I hired guys when I had my shop that I didn't train, right? Somebody else trained them. There was just so much of it going around. All right. There was, it just worked. And getting around to other shops gives you a lot of experience. But back to my experience, you know, when I came in, before I could even an interview for my apprenticeship at the late Anson Tools and Gages, I had to pass an aptitude test hmm. to show I could even do this. Then I had to answer a questionnaire, which is in that book I was talking about. And they asked me questions like, um, are you married? Does your wife approve? Do your parents approve? Do you know anybody? Is there anybody in your family in the tool and die business? My favorite question was, do you have any defects? <laughs> I mean, literally use the word. Okay. I've got it all. I, oh, yeah. I've got the originals. Yeah. But so I, I, I got through the aptitude test. And it wasn't that hard. It wasn't that bad. They just want to make sure you do some basics. When I came in for my interview to get an apprenticeship, not, not a, in charge of the company, an apprenticeship as a 19-year-old, I went into the president's office and there were seven people there to interview me all at once. I felt oh like my, I was being yeah. barnstormed, right? I, yep. mean, was, I had a tie on because I always wear a tie and I started sweating, right? Luckily, I think I remember the handkerchief that day. <laughs> and they just asked me all these questions mm -hmm. right before. They, that's how serious they wanted the right guy. They wanted to make sure you were, you were the guy they wanted, you know, for that for their program. Well, that's a beautiful thing. I mean, to have the owner of the shop, both foreman, the apprentice supervisor, the vice president, his secretary, and the head engineer all there to interview an apprentice. What does that tell you? That gives me chill bumps now to show you how important that was to the trade for this company, right? Absolutely. And I, I, I think I even knew at that time. I'm going through something remarkable here, even as a 19 year old. That's why I saved all that stuff. Right. And they wrote down my hours on every machine, like they're supposed to. And I got a little gold watch when I was done. I mean, it was an amazing, amazing program. Now you got a kid. What's he going to do? He's got, got some interest in manufacturing. Well, you know, the trade schools, I don't even know. I've heard, I, I should know these questions. I've talked to kids that have gone, I'm not sure what it costs to go to a, an EIT, right? I've heard it's pretty pricey. Maybe am I thinking like 30 grand for a two year program? Is that about right? Does that Paul, does that make sense to you? I, I'm really not sure. Okay. Probably. Okay. I mean, versus the going through the apprenticeship. Now the apprenticeship is beautiful because as, as somebody I've got it right on my wall here, I'm certified to train apprentices at my company, right? It was, it was been charged by, Certified by the Pennsylvania uh, Labor Department of Labor and Industry, sure. with my company name on it, that I can train apprentices. Now, the beauty of this is if they're sharp kids, I can put them on more complicated stuff that I get paid more for, but they're still on the rate that they're guaranteed, right? So I'm keeping my basic labor costs of the shop down and teaching a kid a trade. He's guaranteed a raise every six months. And at the end, I've got a top, not top yet, but a good toolmaker. And, and I use the same system that Anson taught me how to keep track of this stuff and train really good apprentices. The Except for asking them if they have any defects. You don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had, I had to throw that in there. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. That sounds like very much the 50s and 60s. Um, 
No, you know, and and we are involved. I'm involved in anti-poverty initiatives, and this is where this stuff comes from. Uh, or, or we're talking about these kinds of things of saying, you know what? You can learn a trade and get paid while you're learning. And yeah, the the dollars at the beginning are not great, but the earning potential is so significant with zero debt, and. Uh, and you could have something that will be life-sustaining for the rest of your life. A and B. If you decide to do something else because you're tired of the place you work or you're tired of you know the pressure of you know, working to high-tolerance work every day, because yeah. you've either got to enjoy that kind of stuff or not, right? I mean, you know, I mean, uh, it's a kind of a crass uh, comparison, but I've heard the term, you know, uh, uh, picking fly turds out of pepper, right? Uh, that's kind of what a toolmaker, the, 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 the having to do the intricate work 10, 8, 10 hours a day. Uh, if you don't enjoy that, you'll wear out. But guess what? So you decide you're going to become an artist now. You're going to be an artist or really make the big money and be a radio show host. There right? you go. Make the big stuff. The big money is. But, <laughs> but you'll always have that trade to fall back on. That's right. If it doesn't work out, if you can work with your hands, and you can show people, I did this, this, and this, and then, and you have confidence in what you do. You'll you'll be fine. You'll always have something. Some, there's always room for people who don't know how to do things well with their hands. That's, I, I'll stick to that. So you know, my dad, now, my dad always wanted me to learn a trade. He couldn't understand. Uh, I mean, he could understand it that I was interested in broadcasting, but and I had to kind of tell him, "It's like, but Dad, I'm actually am learning different." aspects of things you know a little bit of electronics and a little bit of of uh management and a little bit of this and that i mean i mean it takes all you know computers oh my gosh the computer thing is huge you know but it's it's a little different than what you're talking about where i can actually you know a little different but i'll tell you somebody does a little broadcasting from here my studio right like i'm mm-hmm. kind of doing now and it's a soundboard and having my own video equipment it's it is a little bit of a trade to learn yeah, it really is. I'm sure it, I've heard you tell the stories of physically splicing tape together. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. Back in those days, it was more of a tinkerer trade than it is now or so digital. Right? right. And definitely tool making has changed, too. All right. Mm-hmm. But would you say if you could spend if you were teaching some intern now and you could spend a week with them in a place at WCTL or, uh, or you know, talkary.com where you're in a corner and you say, this is how we used to do it. Right. Show how they used to do it to give them the appreciation and probably some talent that'll show up later once they start using the digital. Because yeah. once you don't have to do it the longhand way, once you go to computerize, like I always tell people, it's like cheating. I mean, for me to do all this hand work and calculations I used to have to do to make something angled, now it, I, it, it's not even a problem, right? Sure. All the math I used to do, I mean, to have a calculator was a big deal. Are you kidding me? You know, so true, true story. Uh, uh, one uh, at one of our old transmitters. I don't know if I, I don't know if it was CTL or one of my earlier stations. We had one of those red dot stickers on the transmitter, and you literally <laughs> meant what it meant. Does if we were? Ch- I think it was at the station I lived worked at in Dunkirk when we were changing power because we went from full power during the day to low power at night, right? Because you have to protect the other stations. And- 
if if the automatic system didn't work when you press the you know the electronic button, you were supposed to pound that dot to make the relay switch. And oh and God. I'm just thinking about the mechanics of that. And and it's just it just makes me laugh, but it literally would work, and I had and to then, do it. Now we're going down <laughs> memory lane here. You know the old guys, the fogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, talking about how things used to be. But Back in the was, old days, we had. We I'll had tell you what, though, stuff. there was a certain charm to some of that stuff. Don't forget the first CNC machines were actually called NC machines, just numerical control, not computerized. And the way they ran was off a tape, like a, a player organ. Oh, my goodness. A paper tape with holes in it that told, told it what to do. So you did, you'd program that stuff. I never did that. But they'd spit out this tape that was about an inch wide, inch and a half wide, with holes in it. And then they'd put that in your machine. And, 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 and the best part was, halfway through a, a complicated part, the tape would rip. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got to ask you, though, before all of this, I mean, you still had tools and lathes. Was it totally artistic to get that th- to get that mold uh, tooled correctly? I mean, I mean, how did you stay within tolerances if you didn't have, you know, to be able to do calculations within you know one one thousandth of an inch or whatever? You you, you got really good. You just learned. How so to you do learned it. how to use a file, or use a. I'll use a grinder and work with some hand tools once in a while to file off an extra little bit. Uh, uh, I mean, that was the art of the tool and die maker. You know, uh, the tool and die maker, the machinist, the big difference is tool and die maker takes everything that all the machinists in the company did. And now he's got to put it together. Right. And then he says, okay, apprentice, you take this block and take a 1000th off this edge. Apprentice two, you take this block and polish that part a little bit more. He he knows how to assemble it all and how make how to make it all work. So it, when it closes, it closes all the way, and when it opens, a nice part comes out. All right, and the part ejects off the ball. So that was all done. This is, you can see on that's yeah all of tool. your your old stuff there. Yeah, blocks of, of tools, and we all had our own tools. And that's why Anson's made us buy all our tools to check our own work. There was no QC department. <laughs> you you were the QC department, yeah. right? So you're wow. and if you buy something from a toolmaker. More than three times, time to buy your own, right? You need you could you could borrow expensive stuff from those guys, or you get the think eye. <laughs> <laughs> this this is a re, this is a remarkable conversation because uh, you know I, I I imagine that again we have we have folks that are in manufacturing, folks that that uh, have their own business, and uh, the, we all have origin stories. We all we all come from somewhere. We all had to learn something. You know, again, you know, my 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 journey is broadcasting. So you know, there's the classic. It all started in a, a thousand watt AM station in some little town. Well, yeah, exactly. It did for me. For me, it was a thousand watts in Dunkirk, New York, fourteen fifty WDOE. But that's where you learned awesome. everything. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah that's uh, that's so awesome. You know, back to Glenn Stearns and everything. How much time we got for the break? Uh, I got about a minute. You ever want a PhD in business? Go start a machine shop. I'll tell you what, between running a building that's got enough electricity to run those machines, to go yeah. out and try and buy used machinery that's good, because it's just like buying used horses, right? They'll, they'll oversell. Then you bring these machines in, you got to pay a rigger to bring them in. 
Then you got to wire them in. Then you got the tooling for it. Then you got to go find customers. Then you got to get some work from the customers. The customer gives you work. Now you got to hope you didn't screw it up because we don't want to. It's not like you're throwing out some carrots here. You you screw up raw material. Now you got to start over. Now you're behind. All right. You finally get the job done. Right. And now you got to hope they pay you. And you're waiting for a check <laughs> for eighteen thousand dollars. Oh my word. Yeah. It is not for the faint of heart. Manufacturing is not. Those guys deserve. Would you see a successful company, even like the one I work for, right? Yep. I want those guys to all have Cadillacs out front. I know we're doing fine. If they can afford it, right, they deserve it. There's so much yeah. the capital involved in manufacturing. And then take a place like GE where you're moving trains around. I mean, the capital involved just in the, in the equipment and the cranes and the, tra the tracks, incredible. That's why, they, that's why they're so, they used to be so profitable. Who else can do that? Absolutely. Right. Going to leave it there. It is 554. We're going to wrap things up for another week of broadcast fun here on Talk Eerie. Five fifty-five. Uh, wrapping things up for this week of broadcasting here on Talk Eerie and the Joel Natale Show. On Monday, we're going to uh, do a best of program and uh, uh, celebrate in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And then on Tuesday, we have a very important conversation we're going to have. We do. We're going to talk to the leaders of all of the community centers here in Erie. So we have James Sherrod from the Martin Luther King Center. We have Chantel Hilliard from the Booker T. Washington Center. And, of course, Gary Horton and all that he re represents. Uh, so that's going to be a really great episode that's happening on Tuesday. And on Wednesday, we're talking to Rick Scaletta, superintendent of General McLean Schools, about what's happening over there in and, West County. And I will say this. There's a, a program change that uh, the county executive's press conference will be on Tuesday at 3 o'clock. Uh, I don't know. She didn't mention why that is, but they have to change their their time and uh i'm going to add that right now to the calendar yeah, so okay. that i don't so that forget yeah i i'll I, I tend to forget too so i hope that uh, you all have an amazing weekend thanks so much to uh michael hooks and giselle uh latrell of uh, uh michael from Ma michael making lives better uh, giselle from the tipsy bean and 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 their amazing work with the undercover billionaire comeback city thank you so much phil kerner tool and die guy Appreciate it. Well, yes. Uh, my closing advice tonight to everybody, try to be the person that your dog thinks you are. <laughs> That's really good advice. Yes. Especially if you have kitties. And thank you, Paul <laughs> and Shaney. Yeah. yeah. Be, be, be the person that dollar bills want you to be there, Shane. Yes. I will try. <laughs> I will strive to be that person. The cats run the run the house over at the Bills family. I that's I'm pretty convinced of that. So and listener, I hope that you have an amazing weekend. God bless. We will see you Monday for the best of Tuesday live. <laughs>